Hey listeners, I'm Trey. And this is Dean. Along with EY. Welcome to Pocast. Reviewing films with New Orleans flavor. No, let's just let's just get into it. I mean, I thought that was a good start anyways, honestly. Okay. Or should we do it more like JD's voice? JD's Revenge. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. I thought that was uh, Robert Downey Jr. doing Kirk Lazarus from uh, <laughs> oh, Tropic Thunder. God. Oh, goodness. This was an interesting movie, though. I'd, I'd never heard of it, so I wasn't sure what to expect. But you had a nice uh, kind of horror thriller psychological thing going on with this movie. Yeah, I, <laughs> I've i never heard of this movie either, uh, obviously, until um, coming across it for this podcast. I, I, I'm kind of surprised because I, I overall, I, I don't think it was like such a horrible film that it, it was kind of left for, you know, to be forgotten. Um, but I, I'm definitely surprised, like I've never heard this movie brought up before. I don't really know why I, I oh. there's not a lot out there about this film. I, I tried, especially after watching it, mm-hmm. I tried looking things up Same. and um, I think it just got lost in like the, the seventies shuffle, you know, well, I, the there was a lot of movies like this coming out during that time. Yeah. The thing about this movie and I've heard of this movie before I had, I didn't know a lot about it, but I knew that it existed uh, because it's a movie that is a part of that uh like 1970s black exploitation genre mm-hmm. that was kind of created then yeah. which in some part in in many parts it was problematic but in other parts not it black exploitation is a really complicated issue but this was one of those movies and i think in my opinion after watching it i think there's one of the not good parts of black exploitation movies i as a movie in general i was not a fan of it i I didn't think it was that good but you know there just there are a lot of issues with it that are pretty messed up you know just you know aside from just the the monster that jd walker was you know just the portrayal of like all of the characters Mm -hmm. were definitely had like stereotypes uh that were perpetuated during that time that were not very accurate i'm not sure who wrote or directed this it's uh arthur marks he did other stuff like tv shows i think um and this probably says a lot but i think he wrote or directed like episodes of like dukes of hazard and and stuff like that so you know you can (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah say what you will but yeah, so you have someone directing that's not a person of color. So, you know, who knows? It was the 70s. I actually kind of liked it, the movie. Um, as someone who does, like, horror films, it wasn't like you're outright. Um, like, you probably, like, wouldn't really watch this around, like, Halloween. Oh, no, like yeah, yeah. But I think it actually did a really good job of ike's like slow possession because it wasn't all it wasn't all out all at once like it was a it was a slow per slow progression and ike fought it at times i guess to tell the story um ike and his wife and their friends go to bourbon street to kind of hang out one night 
Uh, he's a law student, if I'm not mistaken, yep. studying law. And there is a hypnosis show on Bourbon Street, which no lie, when the guy was like, hey, come in and see the best show on Bourbon. I totally thought he was like, it was like going to be like a strip show or something. I thought it was okay. going to be a strip test. Can yeah, we... That's about accurate for the time. Can I just take a moment? So they go out they're you know, hitting the town in celebration of their friends. Yeah. First anniversary. Yes. Now, before they go to the hypnotist, the first place they go to is a strip club. Yes. You yes, haven't brought in, you didn't bring your wife's first anniversary to a strip yeah. club. <laughs> they are in college. Is that, that's what it Yeah. Like? Yeah. They're like young adults. And, and I mm-hmm. get the aspect of walking down Bourbon Street and being pulled in by some sideshow. Yeah. Um, you know, that made sense. But yeah. to kick it off just at a strip club, yeah, yeah, again, a little wild. Different because times, but uh, they were into it. Yeah, they were, but I was not spe- expecting the little hypnosis show. Uh, I was fully expecting like another like strip show or something because you don't see hypnosis stuff on Bourbon Street now. Well, I'm just I get pulled up to be... the stage to be hypnotized. During his hypnosis, he starts having flashbacks of a, a murder that we saw in the beginning of the movie. Which makes no sense at all because they don't really set up anything besides the opening scene yeah of the murder and and kind of what happens with that mm-hmm. and then the next thing you know he gets hypnotized like your typical like kind of cheesy hypnotist show i, I mean i've never been to one but i assume mm-hmm. making pretty people, accurate <laughs> yeah feel hot yeah. and cold uh, it's pretty funny. It's safe. Everyone laughs. The you know, one, one guy takes off his involved. pants and, and things like that. But it's definitely strange that it just kind of jumps straight into Ike getting possessed, like mm-hmm. with, with no setup whatsoever. Besides yeah, the like, opening scene, there was no real connection between Ike no. and uh, JD Walker, which, like, I mean, I guess there doesn't need to be a ghost can go around possessing whoever they want, but I think it would have made a lot more sense if like he was was like his great grand nephew or something. Because, I mean, if if you assume that because it's been 30 years since uh, JD died, we find out in the beginning of the movie he's killed when he is assumed to have just killed his sister in one of the cheesiest murder death <laughs> scenes i have ever seen absolutely yeah it was uh, pretty but, bad uh his brother-in-law stumbles upon him covered in blood assumes he killed his wife and kills him so jd's been haunting bourbon street for 30 years presumably um hasn't decided to, to possess anyone before uh we're not sure why but he decides to possess ike and um also we'll why was he so the thing is, like, why is he possessing a dude on Bourbon Street when he died at a factory on the Irish Channel? Well, Trey, that's a really good point. <laughs> um, and I'm going to tell you, I, I thought the same thing because from going to reading the description on like Amazon, Wikipedia, IMDb, they kind of all say different things. Um, majority of like the film's description says that he gets murdered on bourbon street and yeah that's simply not true uh but i i think especially from like a storytelling perspective they could have made it work 
you know, if he, you know, maybe if the, um, where the hypnotist show was being held, maybe that would have, you know, could have been the place he was murdered 30 yeah. years ago. And they could have set up the site, you know, the hypnotist, uh, you know, was in town for one night only to do her show and like, you know, little moments like that, that could have better set it up. And I think that's definitely one of this, the film's biggest problems is there's just no real good connection, Um, especially not that a movie like this really has to have that. But I feel like, especially when your plot is that a uh, spirit possesses someone to, you know, have their revenge that it should definitely be set up a little more than one opening scene and then a random hypnotist scene that doesn't have anything to do with anything else. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm with y'all on that one. Yeah. I mean, I do have to say his possession was very well done because like I said, it wasn't immediate. It was kind of slow. And the actor who played Ike, Glenn Terman, I think he did really good like i mean obviously you can tell you could tell when he was possessed like yeah. he took on an entire different mannerisms his face was different he walked different and i just think he did a really great job with that i mean i know they're actors they you know they do this shit all the time but i don't know i was just like really impressed by it well it's like even like you know he's driving around and he sees like the the hat that sold like, by fits. the one-eyed fashion tailor yes <laughs> yeah for some yes. reason uh, patch and all. Yeah, I, you know, poor guy. Um, he probably put his eye out with a needle when he was sewing one night. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. But I, 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 I'm with you. I, I love that part of it because they do make it a slow progression from like his mannerisms changing, his actual like style, the clothing he starts wearing uh, is, style. you know, thirty the years out of date. Was wild. <laughs> Hey, I I was going to do that style to my hair. I think I'm going to get it done. And Um, also it was like logical with, he knew something was wrong almost immediately mm -hmm. and went to get help immediately. He talked to a friend who was, uh, I think like a medical student who referred him to a doctor. Yeah. And what was the doctor's advice? Uh, smoke weed smoke some weed smoke weed (laughs) and uh, lessen your studies draw meditation and smoke some weed. you know, pretty much to calm down, essentially. But well, that's like this movie so definitely didn't great. have dumb characters. You yeah, know? It, for sure. Because a typical horror film, you'd have had somebody like lock themselves in their closet and like let it slowly possess them. But this dude was like, "No, something's wrong. Let me see if I can get fixed." And he was fighting it the entire time. You know, after he'd be possessed, he would you know start screaming, and you know he knew something was wrong. Um. I don't know. I just, I really like that it, not realistic, but definitely more so of um, a stronger character, I guess you could say. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, 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 I mean, things happen in this movie that kind of, especially with Ike, um, it, it's hard, you know, yes, he's possessed, but he still does things to, oh, yeah. to people. Um, oh, for sure. I mean, especially Judy- towards the end of the movie you're just like would they really like i get it being possessed and all but would you really forgive someone still that you know did those things uh because ike himself and uh you know the other three characters kind of you know his um they're not married but his 
girlfriend or fiance and their friends are are likable characters i mean Mm -hmm. ike comes across as extremely charismatic and likable let's Um, before you say that let's also remember that his best friend was like yeah it's okay to hit a woman every now and then yeah let's let's i don't remember that part i'm sorry uh yeah i mean again um it's the 70s and mm-hmm. then that's not an excuse there, there was I, a lot of misogyny and violence against women um and we've we've for sure reviewed movies that oh yeah has had I mean, that i mean that's just it's yeah gonna happen all. but i the movie's not overly long uh but i do kind of want to talk about there's two scenes that happen that are repeated multiple times throughout the rest of this movie and i guess they use it kind of as a a transitional tool the the extremely cheesy death in the beginning of uh the slow motion you know cutting the neck with a razor and she's Mm -hmm. you know falling backwards and is laughing and then screams um about 30 seconds after she was cutting the neck and then i feel like because when there's any like special effects blood in this movie. Oh my it's God. obviously special effects. It, it's very it's like red paint. It's like yeah. straight up red paint. Yeah, it's, it's red and up. fake. But then you have the other scene, which was repeated quite often of the the cow getting <laughs> bled, um, which was the opposite of the fake blood. It was very obvious. Say, uh, you know, it was already dead at the time. But they really padded this movie out with those two scenes because I, I, yeah, I want to say they're used like four or five times and it takes up a good minute each time. It kind of reminded me of, um, was it Hard Target was the The Van Damme motion? Yeah, Yeah, like with the slow motion, like to just kind of pad out the runtime. It it really felt like that. And yeah i mean after i feel like you can have a scene like that once after the opening scene but to keep doing it it was like you know at that point it was just you know come on let's move on to something else also uh... in that scene whenever like right before jd gets shot he hears elijah the character his brother the character that's his brother-in-law that later on you find out he's a preacher and there's a whole thing Mm -hmm. whatever is that was that his name I think that's what his name was. Anyway, uh, that character, his brother. Yeah, you're right. Reverend Elijah. Yeah. Reverend Elijah. But whenever he, he hears Elijah behind him and he turns around and draws this razor and he takes such a goofy looking stance, I swear to God, I thought it was about to be some like West Side Story musical. <laughs> it was a wild, it was a wild stance. Yeah, it was sure. so like, like that, that scene was so stereotypically bad gangster stuff mm-hmm. that it it really stood apart from just the rest of the movie. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's definitely a lot of eccentric moments in this film. Yeah, I, especially I, I you know, you briefly mentioned it before, but you know when Ike transitions into uh, you know J.D. Walker. Uh, it really does. I, I think he does a good job, and, and that slow transition is a great buildup. But I feel like by the end of it, it's almost like comedic of just how exaggerated everything is. So, what did we think of the character of JD Walker? I didn't know what to think. 
Um, to be honest, I kind of understand the whole revenge plot, mm-hmm. but then they make him really, if you consider the possessions, you know, being JD Walker, mm-hmm. uh, make him such an unlikable character. You don't really know who you're rooting for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the end I, of the movie, I, I, like I he's he's a monster. He was worse than the person he was getting revenge against. Well, I almost yeah. missed it was like one throwaway line at the end of the movie when everything is coming out that um the daughter was really Theotis's, who was the brother-in-law's brother. That's the reason the JD Walker sister died in the first place. But uh when all this is happening in front of the daughter. Theotis turned to her and said, I can't remember what exactly he said. He said something like, I had to do it. They were both like rotten or like bad people or something like that. Like insinuating that he killed her because he didn't want anything to do with uh, JD or the sister because they were bad people. I mean, he wasn't any better himself, but so clearly, you know, the revenge thing didn't make him a bad person you know he may have not have been a good person to begin with but yeah it was weird story wise why you're getting a character who's taking revenge who's not likable well i mean it's not even that it's not likable and it's not that you know the revenge thing makes him a bad person like anytime jd was like in the driver's seat and taking over ike like he you know beat and left that old woman by the curb out of his <laughs> <Yes>. car <laughs> that uh, was awesome he raped his girlfriend twice not uh, so awesome beat her or attempted yeah. to beat her but she locked herself in the bathroom thankfully the house. yeah destroyed the house because he was angry killed the woman's husband who was cheating on him with cheating on her husband with him i think he was still alive yeah he didn't kill him but he okay, definitely well, cut, like, him cut him up a lot he, he cut, cut him up, him up a lot. and then he said if you move you'll meet your maker okay so he stayed on the floor okay so he cut him up a lot he didn't straight up kill him i can't even say it's the worst thing because all of it's really bad <laughs> he goes out with and i don't remember the daughter's name uh but he goes out with her and he has sex with her yes yes which yeah. is J.D. Walker's niece. Yes. yes. So J.D. Walker has sex with his niece. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not even it's not even issue of being likable is that this character was such a monster that you're you said it perfectly is that you didn't know who to root for at the end because even Elijah. I mean, I would say Elijah of that, you know, little revenge plot going on was probably the best person of them. But even him was kind of just a, he was a tele-evangelist, essentially. You know, he yeah. believed what he was saying, but he was also making sure he was making money off of it with Theotis. Yeah. So it's like none of these characters were characters that I wanted to see victorious at the end aside from ike i wanted ike to be okay at the end yeah but like jd salinger was such a monster and then you know you find out theotis was the one that murdered him and it's it's just it was hard to really enjoy watching this movie Mm -hmm. because there was just hardly anyone there that i liked well, the, especially yeah. when the movie ends yeah. and everyone being like happy-go-lucky and shrugging everything Literally. off. And, and oh, yeah. Like, the, the, police, jokes. The, the police chief is like, oh, you were possessed? 
that checks oh, yeah. out. That's fine. We won't charge you for murder yeah. or oh, you may have not shot your brother. Okay. Yeah. No, all those things. It's fine. And then they're giggling and laughing as they're walking out of the police station. I mean, which was I mean, I was happy that Ike was gonna be okay, but it did seem really unrealistic. And it happened really quick too. Like it was just like a 180. Um yeah. from the events that were going on right before it. So yeah, it was it was wild. It was a wild ride. And I also felt like, you know, this, you know, the prim- primarily this cast was mostly men. Um, the two, well, the three women characters you have were, you know, his his wife, Chris, or Christabel, I think. She was great, but yeah. the majority of her character centered around her being beaten and raped. Yes. And then you had the her best friend, who was the other female character, who almost had like zero lines throughout the entire movie. Literally. Like maybe I think she like had two maybe two, maybe two lines. Um, you had the best friend who he may be a good guy, but I still can't get over the whole it's okay if you smack a woman every now and then. Like, and I don't care if it was the 70s, that that was like I, I kind of drew back at that line. Um, and then you have the 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 daughter, the niece of J.D. Salinger, who, again, is literally just seen as a sexual object. So yeah. I just yeah. there was there was just so many problems with this movie that, you know, whether it had issues with, you know, representation of black people or just representation of people. I just I it just there were so many things I thought was wrong with this movie. Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. I do. If you had to give this movie between one and five stripmatists, <laughs> what would you give it? I'm not quite sure because, yeah, the, there was quite a bit that was, ooh, that was really just kind of way off. I don't think it aged well at all. As a horror movie, like I said, I think they did well with that part like i think it could be remade today to be honest if they like cleaned it up for the times but used that same sort of like possession storyline and fixed the loopholes and stuff like that i think it could actually be a decent modern day horror movie or at least like a fun b horror movie if that makes sense but this film itself i guess maybe a two for me because I do love horror films, so I did love that part of it. But everything else was just kind of, it's a little rough. It's a little rough there. So a two for me. I think I'm going to go just with one higher and then give it a three out of five. I We've talked about movies before that are obviously from a different time. And, and we'll call myself a movie reviewer um, <laughs> in the, this for the sake of this podcast. But... I try to look at, you know, whether, uh, you know, a movie outside of, of the box of, yes, it's from the seventies and things are going to happen. Things are going to be said. I I think it was like King Creole that we watched that kind of had a lot of the, the same issues of the womanizing and 
commentary on on certain characters and things like that. And yeah, I, I think in a sense it is hard to separate that. But when I'm watching a movie uh, and I'm reviewing a movie, I do try to put that aside unless it's something that's made with ill intent and yes this movie is considered um black exploitation and and you know you you touched on that in the beginning but there are things that i i think this movie did very well i i think the character of ike was very likable and and smart and this movie did a lot that maybe more modern day horror movies or horror movies in general that just don't do, you know, he, you know, Dean touched on it earlier with, he realized that something was wrong and then tried to, you know, seek help or did what he could to keep JD's spirit from, you know, coming full possession and, and things like that. Wouldn't say this is a good horror movie because I, I didn't really feel like it was a horror movie it was definitely more supernatural or I don't even want to say thriller I guess really the only unsettling parts about it was the spiritual aspect and then the somewhat gruesome scenes of like the cow being bled and the uh, cheesy murder scene and, and stuff like that and yeah I think putting aside some of the moments that are, are just a product of its time. Not that it should be ignored, um, but the film is a film that was made during that time um, and, and certainly wasn't a slog to get through. wouldn't say it was enjoyable. I mean, obviously, we've seen better movies um, for better reasons. But um, yeah, I, I, I would give this movie a three out of five. Uh, and I kind of thought the same thing Dean with the whole it being remade I'm I'm really surprised this movie hasn't been dug up and and refreshed because I was thinking the same thing I mean you could really I think this would make a good modern day horror movie if it was cleaned up and definitely worked on with JD uh, and then making um some sort of redemption with that character because as it stands in this film yeah he's uh yeah like i said before you really don't know who to root for and this movie ends on such a positive note that it's almost jarring it's like whiplash trying to forget everything that happened to these characters prior uh but yeah a, a three out of five uh stripmatist i mean i think i I get what you're saying about, you know, trying to look at a movie outside of, or I guess within the bubble of when it was made and like what was seen as acceptable or, 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 you know, however you said it, kind of like looking at it within the box of when it was made and the time period is made. Um, I think I've made it obvious. I don't do that. I don't think there's anything wrong with reviewing a movie that way. It's just... I don't know. I always look at it as, I don't know, among the bigger picture. And, you know, this is one of those movies that it just, it had issues I couldn't look past. 
but at the same time, I did want to give this movie a bump in my rating simply because of its place in that culture of black exploitation. You know, like I said, black exploitation is really it's complicated because it's problematic because, you know, like Dean explained, you know, it's it's white directors and white producers telling stories about the black experience and for the most part they get it pretty wrong it's a lot of really negative stereotypes but at the same time black exploitation films were also the first movies that were giving black actors and actresses feature roles so it's it's really complicated when you're looking at it and then ultimately black exploitation became something of a primarily black genre where you did have black directors making movies about the black experience. Um, it created movies like Shaft, which was seen as such a huge cultural thing. And, you know, I haven't seen the original, but like I've seen the Samuel L. Jackson Shaft movie and I fucking love it. It's a fantastic film. But there were just so many things wrong that I just couldn't get past with this movie. And the character of JD, I probably would have liked this movie more if he wasn't such a monster you know like like you said ey if you had a better character that you could really get behind that you'd be like yeah i want to see this character get his revenge i want to see this character victorious by the end of the movie like i didn't want to see jd walker get what he was after by the end of the movie you know because it couldn't have been anything good and yes the guy he was getting revenge against was a murderer and a bad guy but jd salinger was almost probably was worse so if there was if JD was more uh, was a better character, you know, even if he was still like a bad guy gangster, but like, I don't know, the gangster with the heart of gold, you know, if you want to get that kind of character archetype, like that would have been better. But the way it was, I just, I, to me, it was difficult watching and it felt like a slog. Like if the movie was only about an hour and a half. I, it felt like it was much longer to me. So ultimately, this is going to be one of my low ones. I'm giving this movie a one. One strip stripnatist. Oh, I thought you said you were going to give it a bump. You just I said decided I not thought to. about giving it a bump. Oh, but okay. there was just so many things I was like, I, I can't do this. Okay. And I was like, okay. no. So this week we have a three, a two, and a one. Yeah, I we're getting some pretty creative ratings. I mean, I, you know, I, I can't disagree with, with anything that's said. And I think Overall, I, I mean, you you summed it up that it, it's difficult to um, weigh the the positives and, and negatives. But I do have to say, I really loved loved seeing seventies New Orleans because there were a lot of I would say majority of this movie took place during the day. There were a lot of good shots of like just old school New Orleans and Trey, I don't know if you noticed, but the ending credits, when they walk out of the police station, there's an appearance of something that is no stranger to this podcast. Um, if you're far off in the distance, <laughs> no, not, not Gary Grubbs. Um, the hotel Monteleone. No, I didn't catch that. I also turned it off as soon as I saw the first credit roll. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget to like and review us on your preferred podcast app. 
You can stay up to date by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Nola Podcast or on Twitter at Nola. Suggestions and feedback, positive or negative, can be sent to us directly at Podcast at gmail.com. Oh, shit. I, <laughs> this happens every time. I'm That's sorry, right. guys. All right. We need to. Am I starting again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. One, two, three.